morning, good morning. Well, on behalf of the mission committee, we'd like to welcome you to a special treat here, our, our modified mission workshop Sunday. Everything will be contained here in service. You guys don't have to leave the comfort of your seats there. A special shout out to our predecessors, Joe and Carol Mason. Joe Mason, our previous deacon, they're in town from South Carolina. So another God incidence that brought them here on this uh, special Sunday. Um, so we'll have a short message that Dave will bring regarding missions throughout the world and uh, two segments of, of sharing from, from various people that are plugged into missions and ministries that are near and dear to their hearts. So without further ado, I'll welcome up my wife, Kelly Jarris, who is going to speak on her ministry. Good morning. Can you, do I have to hold this? Okay, thanks. Good morning, guys. I'm Kelly Jarris, and I'm here today to speak um, about a local mission opportunity. I know a lot of times when we think about missions, we think about global missions and leaving home and giving up everything to go bring the word of God to people in areas that may not have heard it. But there are lots of opportunities right here in our community. And I got plugged into one um, about two years ago, actually um, with Carol Mason, who's here today. She started this ministry with some of our um, previous missionaries about 25 years ago. And that's witnessing right here in the King County Jail. So we have a jail ministry with the ladies. We go once a week on Tuesday afternoons. And we're there for about two hours. And um, we run a little Bible study, not the way that we do Bible study here, where um, we prepare and we discuss things together. It's more just every week sharing the gospel with them. And we just share the gospel with them and we pray with them. And these ladies have so many prayer requests. And um, some of them don't even go to church or have never heard it, but they believe that we can pray for them and it's gonna make a difference. And um, just showing up in spending time, just, just donating two hours of your time to be there for them just makes such an impact. It's just so positive for the ladies to feel that somebody loves them and cares about them to just make such a small sacrifice. And so um, we don't have to be an eloquent speaker or you know, be able to lead a good Bible study. I was kind of intimidated at first about that. Um, some ladies just take notes from their pastor and go on Tuesday and say, hey, this is what I learned at church this week and I want to share it with you. It was so meaningful and this is what my pastor said and I just want to pass that on. Some ladies show a video. Um, some ladies just read through the Bible and say, do you have any questions and let's talk about it. There's no right or wrong way to share the gospel is the point. And so um, I just want to encourage anybody, any ladies that are here that are looking for a meaningful ministry to get into, um, not super time committed, you don't even have to be a leader. You can just go in and be a support person and pray. Um, just pray and take notes and just get to know these ladies. Um, I would encourage you that this is a great, great, great way to just get plugged in and make a difference in our community right here in King County. Thank you. Next up, we have a special guest appearance. He's from outside of our congregation, but represents an organization 
of missionary family that we have sent from this congregation. Many of you remember and still know uh, Ron, uh, I'm sorry, um, um, Holly and John, John and Holly Carden. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. <laughs> Names floating all over my head here. Um, they're with Greater Europe Mission, right now located in Philadelphia, working from home and, and uh, putting together leadership opportunities for, for other missionaries. Um, in our community today, we have with us Rob Boo, who is also a liaison with Greater Europe Mission. He'll now speak to opportunities that you can have here in the community and abroad. Well, good morning, everyone. I am Rob Rabu, and I am with Greater Europe Mission. We call it GEM, G-E-M, and it actually is a GEM. GEM is one of the fastest growing and leading mission agencies fully committed to evangelism and discipleship making in the continent of Europe. We have a staff of about 450 people. We have 750 workers serving in 27 different countries in Europe who are prayed for and supported, like you all here with the Cardins, by 18,000 people around the world. So this morning, I want to thank you as a church for your commitment uh, to John and Holly Carden. For years, and many of you know, they served in Serbia. More recently, they've moved to, uh, back to the United States there in Philly, as uh, was just, Ryan just mentioned, and have now given themselves to coaching and training um, new missionaries that we are raising up from the continent of Europe. So French speakers, Spanish speakers, uh, people in Hungary and different countries in Europe. And the Cardins are involved in training them and helping on-ramp them. So let me just take a minute and, and, and give you a little context. First of all, why Europe? You may not know this, but Europe is the least reached continent in the world. Less than 2% of the population of Europe claim Jesus as their Lord and Savior. In some countries in Northern Europe, take the Netherlands, it's less than 0.1%. Now, if you think about it, it makes sense. I mean, Europe is the home of the Enlightenment and the destructive rationalism that began a slow drip in the West hundreds of years ago. It's been the home of two world wars, the home of men like uh, Karl Marx and um, Charles Darwin, uh, German higher criticism that cut the legs out from the authority of scriptures, at least as the scholars thought. As a result, what we have in Europe today are beautiful cathedrals that are empty on the inside. That's a metaphor for the spiritual condition of Europe. In addition to being the least reached continent in the world, uh, Europe is experiencing a geopolitical crisis. Uh, economic crisis with Brexit and England and uh, disillusion um, with the EU, the European Union, not to mention the incredible crisis caused by the flood of refugees 
Muslims to the continent of Europe. So some people are writing, I recently read a book called The Strange Death of Europe. Will Europe still be Europe or will Europe be a continent of the world under the banner of Islam? What's interesting in saying that is uh, Europe is America's front yard, if you want to think of it that way. What's going on in uh, Europe will come inside the house here in the United States. Having said that, that yeah, Europe is a least reach, Europe is in crisis, and I'm not going to go into uh, detail. What I want you to know is Europe is what we call a bellwether continent, in that it is so strategic it's a leader, think about this, in ed education. The great universities of the world are in Europe. It's a leader in philosophy. It's a leader in entertainment and fashion. And, and so Europe has this strategic role. Least reached, one of the most influential, a bellwether continent. And we believe today God is beginning to do some incredible things, especially among young adults. So what is GEM? What do we do? Well, we express our evangelism and disciple making. We're all about disciples, making disciples that make disciples. We express it in a variety of ways. Church planting is sort of at the heart of what we do. Historically, we have uh, planted Bible colleges. Uh, church planting, partnering with existing national churches where gem missionaries come alongside and serve pastors and do leadership training. We partner with other mission organizations. We'll partner with anybody we can because it's such a difficult continent spiritually. We are deeply committed to refugee ministry. We, in the last two years on the island of Lesbos, which has sort of been the tip of the spear as refugees have come from North Africa and from Persia into Europe, they often end up on this island of Lesbos. We have seen a hundred Afghan refugees come to Christ and be baptized. And God is doing, uh, 10 people just came to Christ in Frankfurt under, through our, our street ministry in Frankfurt. So refugee ministry, street ministry, all sorts of different forms of Bible studies like you guys are doing here at, at, at Riverside. Um, Rhonda and I have been, and my, my wife Rhonda is right here with me, uh, Rhonda and I have been in an art studio run by a gem missionary as a creative form of outreach. I could go on. So we do a variety of different things in Europe. Now how can you get involved? Well, I, I have some information straight back against the back wall. There's a bunch of different brochures you can pick up, but I would say start by going to our missions or our um, um, a website. I was going to say our mission site. That's not right. Um, which is gemission.org. And it lists all different ways that you can get involved. You can get involved by praying. You've been praying for years for Europe because of your ministry with the Cardinals. Continue to pray that God would, I'm quoting Isaiah 45, rain down righteousness, let the clouds shower down, let the earth open wide, let salvation spring up. Isaiah 45, pray that for Europe. Uh, pray for our missionaries. Pray that uh, God will work among this, um, uh, the, uh, the generations that are behind us. That they would turn to Jesus. That Muslims would continue to turn 
uh, to Jesus and give up uh, uh, the radicalism that, that we often bump into as a mission organization. So check out our website, pray. Then we do a variety of trips. Uh, if a church wants to take a trip, we will gather you all together and we will take you to where you want to go so you can adopt a country, you can adopt a city, you can adopt a village. We have youth trips, we have youth camps, we have, um, uh, we're going to be launching this year and I'll be a part of this, uh, what we're calling the Tend to Legacy Ministry, where we'll take people in the second half of life and go for three or four weeks, visit multiple cities, be with missionaries, and um, then perhaps do like Paul's second missionary journey, which I have led people on in the past. Lots of different ways you can give. Many of you have been giving to support the Cardins. I want to say thank you. And I want you to know God cares deeply about the people around us locally and globally. Amen? Amen. Thank you. All right, thank you very much. Wasn't that good? Uh, we'll have a couple more, so I, I'm going to just share a little bit from the Word with us this morning, uh, sort of in the middle of this, and then we'll have a couple more sharing segments after the, this abbreviated message this morning. It won't take more than five hours, so. <laughs> That's okay, right? Yeah, so thank you guys so much. Um, yeah, it's a privilege. So please check out the information back there with Jim. Jim is just a, a great, strong ministry for many years that the Lord is using. And it's a privilege. So Rob is a great resource. Uh, you are the director? I'm the chairman of the board. Chairman of the board of the ministry. So uh, it's just great to have both of you here with us this morning. Amen? And Kelly as well, of course. So uh, Ryan looks really good today, doesn't he? Amen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, uh, and so this is my Africa shirt, uh, and that was a gift, and uh, we appreciate that. But we're glad that you are here this morning. So for uh, a time here in the Word, I'd like to invite you to turn to John chapter 4 this morning. And I especially uh, am thankful for uh, R. John Christensen and your help with all of the PowerPoint and media stuff this morning. So any glitches this morning is my fault and, and not John's. So I'm still learning this. John chapter 4 is a great, great chapter, as you know. Uh, when Jason was here, he was going through the Gospel of John, and he covered this in much more detail than I will this morning. Uh, but it's a challenging chapter to me, and a great, a great tie-in with the topic of missions in the world, both home and abroad. Uh, so the title of our study for this brief time here this morning is a question, actually, and the question is this. Where are you going? So where are you going? And where am I going? And so it's a long chapter. We're not going to read the whole chapter, but I'd like to read portions of it because I think most of us are very familiar with the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. Amen? 
So as we read this morning, uh, let's this morning, if we could ask you to stand as I read some of these sections. Uh, We'll just give honor to God that way. John chapter 4, as you remember, Jesus is going through Samaria. He ends up at this well with this woman, and he's talking with this woman. So chapter 4, let's begin at verse 7. This is God's word. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Now, now in my Bible, that's in parentheses. Um, but just keep that in mind, that particular verse. His disciples had gone into town to do what? To buy food. Verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And so the conversation with the woman goes on at that point, and of course she's interested. She's interested, isn't she? As you're familiar with the story. So I move down now to verse 25, a little bit later on. As Jesus and this lady are talking, in verse 25, the woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Wow, what a great statement there, isn't it? And so, as we know the story, right, she ends up believing She believes him, right? And so a little bit later on, as we move down in the story in verse 30, the disciples finally come back, verse 30. They came out of the town, the people from the town came, and they made their way towards him, towards Jesus. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Verse 34, (laughs) my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. They're ripe for harvest. And uh, we'll stop there. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. May God honor His Word this morning. His Word. And so the question is, where are we going? Where are you going and where am I going? So we had a funny thing one time when we were in Africa. We always make these great plans and then they never seem to work out the way. And we're always talking about plan A and plan B. And so we were driving along and we came across this sign that actually was plan B hotel. (laughs) And it was so striking, we jumped out of the car and took that picture. So plan B, that's, that's sort of our life, I think, my life. Plan A and then plan B. So, uh, I was talking to a friend the other day, and and he said, we're living in the days of the great resignation. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, 
it was predicted even before the pandemic really got going, but it was predicted that we would come to a time that would be called the Great Resignation, where people all over the place would be resigning their jobs and leaving. They'd just be leaving the Great Resignation. And we also know, of course, today that this is the day of the Great Hiring. Because everybody everywhere is looking for workers, right? I saw a sign one time that said, interviews anytime, immediate hire. <laughs> That's pretty good. One, one person said to a friend, it's a, it's a great day today. I hired someone and they actually showed up. <laughs> Perplexing times, isn't it? Perplexing times. So I, I'm thinking about this and it makes me begin to wonder, what about God and his business well, you think about God and his business, because the Bible does say that God so loved the world, right? You, do you think that there might be any job openings with Jesus Christ? Uh, is, is there anybody here this morning maybe that is looking for a, a new and improved job? <laughs> Don't say it out loud, but maybe so. And so here's the question, where are you going? So I have another question, though. If the Lord would call you to a trip to Africa, would you go? Absolutely. Wow. Sign up back there. <laughs> now, that, that's both an exciting question and a disturbing question, because if you say yes to that, you may be in for the most exciting adventure of your lifetime in following Jesus. If you say no to it, it may reveal something about where your heart really is. And instead of being full-hearted, we might be half-hearted for the Lord. So it's an interesting question, where are you going? And so we are excited today about missions. And, and I appreciate what a great challenge about Europe. But many people would say today that in God's world, there is a new wind blowing in missions. And the Holy Spirit is moving in gigantic ways in many places. And the need is tremendous. Amen? And so here's an invitation for us for just a few minutes to this very familiar story, uh, Jesus and the woman at the well. And we can come along on this little journey to Samaria with the Messiah. Because, you know, God so loved the world that he came one day to Samaria to a well, to a woman, and then to the rest of us who are living today. Amen? And we get to read about this in the scriptures. So are you with me on this? David Platt in his book tells a very sad story one time where he was on a missions trip. It was in a, an island. He doesn't name it because of privacy issues. It was the most unevangelized island on earth, he writes about. And it was a gorgeous island, but he was there and he, and he learned the history of it. This island, most of the 45 million people on the island are Muslim, and most of them have never heard the gospel at all. And most of them have not ever even known a person who confessed faith in Christ on this, this island. The interesting thing about it, however, and ironic, is that this most unevangelized island on earth is also home to millions 
of Christians, professing believers. A missionary came one time and and began to share the gospel and they rebelled about it, killed them, but then more missionaries came. The seeds were planted and then the whole tribe, whole groups of people came to faith in Jesus Christ and they were born again. And the saddest thing about this is that over the years since that point, that these Christians have virtually kept Christ to themselves. They have built big church buildings and large programs and a lot of things that they do together with each other. But they have no burden to reach the Muslim community. And so David Platt talks about this and he says, is it possible, do you think it's possible that we can have all the trappings of the church and yet at the same time miss the heart of Christ? And he says, yes, it is possible. And that is the tremendous danger for all of us, myself included, to have all of the outward things and yet be missing the heartbeat of Jesus himself. Make sense? It's convicting, isn't it? So, in our passage, which again is very familiar to you, Christ's disciples had gone into town for lunch. Probably went to the local McDonald's. We don't know. Instead of being where the action is, they're going the other way for lunch. While they are gone, while these guys are gone, Jesus had a divine encounter with a despised Samaritan woman. Warren Wiersbe calls her the bad Samaritan. And while they are gone, Jesus Christ opens the conversation and the conversation opens her heart to God. Hallelujah. Don't you love it? Jesus is talking to this woman as you remember reading that and, and he gives her the message and he says, God has a gift for you, Jesus. He, he's saying, believe in me and I will give you eternal life. I'll give you water that will spring out of you. We had a great songs this morning, great music this morning. It was just the love of God and the springing up of eternal water in our souls. Praise God for that. But that was his message to her, wasn't it? And she believed it. And so we see this, but it happened. Verse 8, it happened. His disciples had gone into town to what? To buy food. So question, where are you going? And where am I going? A while back, uh, the White Sox play the Yankees about once a year. We usually like to go to that game for different reasons. <laughs> and uh, so the last time they were here, we went to the game. It was a gorgeous night, beautiful weather. Uh, for some complicated thing, we had to sort of leave before the game was over. So it was sort of tied when we left. We were driving home, and we were listening on the radio, and the Yankees came from behind and won the game. Aren't you excited? <laughs> and you know we're listening to it and we're thinking oh man I wish we had stayed there and seen that comeback victory amen I think those disciples might have been thinking something similar because they missed the end of the game that day 
they were out to lunch. And when they got back, it was done. And they probably had, some of them anyway, were thinking, I wish I had just stayed here with Jesus and seen this happening. But anyway, so eventually they did come back, right? And in verse 27, just then his disciples returned and they were surprised to find him talking with this woman. They were, they were very surprised about that. They're back now, probably with a bag full of Big Macs and fries and chocolate <laughs> shake, you know. And then, and then they have a question for Jesus. His disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. And, and so his answer is, is this, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. So what is he, what's the point of that? I, I have food that is not really food, but it's more food than your food. It's better food. Wow, what a statement, isn't it? So the astonishing thing about that, I think anyway, is not what he said, but why he said that. Because for sure, it wasn't that Jesus wasn't hungry. He was fully human as well as fully God. And now it was past lunchtime. So it could have been that, but not, no, no, no. That's not why. Instead, I think it's this, that Jesus knew something that you and I really know as well, that life is more than food and drink. Do you agree? It is more than food and drink. And so you remember in Matthew 4 when Jesus was being tempted, remember that? And he said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on what? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So praise the Lord. Well, we know that food is good. And, and especially if you're very hungry, it's good. But, 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 Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And to, and to what? Finish his work. Aha. This is an aha moment, isn't it? For them, doing God's work is more important than eating lunch. Amen. So it sort of reminds me in the Old Testament of that guy that we know a lot, uh, good old prophet Jonah. Remember him? So uh, we can call him wrong way Jonah, right? God said, I want you to go here and I want you to witness. And Jonah said, no, I'm going to go here and I'm going to do my thing. And uh, it, it's a fascinating story and I know that you know it very well. But it's interesting in that whole story to learn and see who obeyed God and who did not obey God in that story, right? So here's who obeyed God in that story. Well, first of all, the fish did. Not bad. The worm did. <laughs> the gourd did. The waves of the sea did. And even the unsaved sailors did. And who did not obey God? the good old prophet of faith, like me and like you, our friend Jonah. Who are we most like in our lives? This is a scary thing to think about. But when it is God's who sends us, God's work is the only thing that will satisfy us. Amen? Do you agree? 
I read a, a book uh, by a fellow, his name was Bob Goff, and he said this in there, I used to think you had to be special for God to use you, but now I know you simply need to say yes. I love that. You just need to say yes. Yes, Lord, use me. Isn't that neat? And he will do that. And so we invest our lives in something everybody does here. And uh, what a challenge this is. So I don't know what you think about this, but I'm, re- I'm very convicted about this. I'm, so once again, I'm preaching to myself. Is not the lesson that to the disciples of long ago God's lesson to disciples today? In this story, Jesus found a worshiper. And she was going to town to get more worshipers while the disciples were going to town to get lunch. Question, where are you going? Where am I going? And so interestingly enough, as we mentioned, they came back about the same time. And all of a sudden now the disciples' attention is captured and their bellies are probably full. And now their minds are hungry, hungry for what's going on. And we shouldn't be surprised that they began to listen to their heavenly teacher, the Lord Jesus, in verse 35, where he talks about harvest. He says, don't you have a saying it's still four months until harvest? And then see what he says? I tell you something. Open your eyes and look at the fields. They're what? Wide into harvest. Hallelujah, right? So that was a picture of Kansas. We lived in Kansas for about 14 years. And um, I got to love harvest time. The, the fields are white. They're gorgeous, gorgeous. And the anticipation for harvest uh, starts the previous fall when they plant the spring wheat in the fall. And when harvest comes, then later on, the end of June, July, the next summer, they are excited and they work from early morning to late evening. They work around the clock. They eat on the run. If their combine breaks down in the middle of it, it is a crisis because they know something that once the harvest is ripe, it must be harvested or it will be lost. Yes, harvest time is a time for them of extravagant joy but overwhelming work as well. And so we must ask ourselves about a spiritual harvest, right? In a spiritual harvest, what do you think is the church's greatest need today? Do we need more people to get ready to come to Christ? Maybe. Do you think that there's a lack of interest in God worldwide? Do you think the atheists are winning the day? Those are all interesting answers, but I don't think that they really are at the core of it, and neither will you if you believe Jesus. Because this is what Jesus said. He said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but what? The workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest. And that was Jesus' answer to the greatest need of the church today. 
We can sum it up really, I mean, we can make it really complicated, but we can sum it up simply, workers. Workers. We, we can elaborate it, you know, and explain it, and, and that's okay. We need a zealous team of men and women who are dedicated soldiers of King Jesus. But let's just tell it how it is. He's talking about workers. When harvest time comes, every conscientious farmer makes sure that he has workers lined up to go. And the word worker there, as you're probably aware, in that text is a common Greek word for a laborer, common, a field hand, a field hand in the kingdom of God. What a beautiful, beautiful picture it is, isn't it? Does this make sense? Are you, are you with me on this? Anybody agree? I read a, a neat little story about a lady who, who uh, went to a meeting with Jonathan Goforth. He was a uh, old-time missionary to China, and he was talking about the story in the Bible about Jesus feeding the 5,000. And this lady was there. She was a young woman at the time. And she was listening to him. And in, in his story, he sort of illustrated it this way. He said, uh, we know what the story says, but just imagine that it read a little different. Imagine that when they got ready to pass out the food, the disciples went up and they got some from Jesus. And then they took it and they fed the people in the front rows. And then imagine that he, they went back and they got some more food from Jesus and they went and they went again to the people in the front rows. And then they had to come back and get some more food and they caked and they went and they took it to the people in the front rows. And just imagine, he said, what would happen if they skipped all of the back rows? And this lady who is listening to this is saying, God is speaking to her heart. I think she was only 12 at the time. And she's saying, Lord, I don't want to be that way. When I grow up, would you send me to the people in the back rows? In the back rows. And that's just a great prayer, isn't it? That should be your prayer and my prayer. We're not necessarily talking about everybody has to go to Africa. But as far as spiritually, God loves the whole world. And it starts at home and then it never ends. So praise God for that. So amen on this? So lessons from this take home really easy. Number one, the fields are still white. Number two, the work is still eternal. Number three, the cost is still non-negotiable. And number four, what? The door is still wide open. And that, that just really says it all. Some of us go to lunch and some of us go to work. Question, where are you going? I love Donald Gray Barnhouse. He wrote this, God sent the disciples up and all they did was bring back lunch. So God saved the harlot and he sent her up and she brought back the town. <laughs> and so they're talking in this passage, they're talking, the people came. The people from the town came. They came to find God. And the disciples are there. And they're listening finally. And they knew then, now is their time. And so they turned and they went to work. Maybe they even missed supper. We don't know. So hallelujah for this. That This is us, right? And, and so just to wrap this up here, I, I just know this is true. And it's as hard, as convicting to me too, 
Um, but everyone is sent somewhere. Every one of us. That's you and me. That's you and me. You could, if you have a name tag, the name tag would be sent. Sent. Every born-again person, follower of Christ, is sent somewhere. Every life with Christ, in a certain sense, is a missionary. Now, some of us God sends to a distant nation. Some of us he sends across the United States, maybe. Some of us he might send to Elgin and St. Charles. He might send us across the street. I don't know. The placing is his business, but the reproducing is my business through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we're just glad to be able to say, you know, to and share and encourage each other today. There's a new wind blowing in the world today. The need is not in the field, though. The need is for hired help. And the salary is out of this world. <laughs> and so one day I will have to stand before Jesus Christ, as you will, and give account of my life, not to be saved or lost, but to give an account. I would hate, and this, this can keep me awake, this, I would hate to think about standing before the Lord and having him say, Dave, you know, while you were out to lunch one day, I did some great things in Chicago. I did some great things in Africa and in China, but you were gone and you missed it. I would hate for that to happen. Amen? So, what does that mean? We all know Leonardo da Vinci. Leonardo da Vinci, the famous artist, was once at work. He was painting for a long period of time on a great masterpiece. He had labored long and hard to create this work of art. It was almost done. And while he was painting on this day, there was a young student who had been standing there watching him and doing a lot of watching him with his work. His mouth was open. He was amazed at the master with the brush. And, and so da Vinci is painting. And just before he finishes the painting, da Vinci turns to the student and he gives him the brush. And he says, now you finish it. <laughs> you know, and this, he, he freaks out and he backs away. He says, no, not me. But Da Vinci says to him, will not what I have done inspire you to do your best? Inspire you. So here's what I think, that today God is crafting a beautiful masterpiece in the world. He's painting it. He's done a lot of work. It's almost done. But in these last times, here's what he's doing. He's, we're just standing there watching. We're amazed. And he turns to you and me and he says, here's the brush. Now you finish it. And we think, oh, good grief, Lord, not me. And then he says, will not what I have already done inspire you to do your best? And we will say, hallelujah. That is right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So hallelujah to you. Amen. May we be encouraged. May the end of this year and next year be a radical year for us. May it 
not be just a year of motion, but may it be a year of emotion. Because you know why? Lunch can wait, but the harvest cannot. Question, where are you going? Where am I going? God help us go. And all God's people said, amen and amen. So praise the Lord. Lord, help us and stir our hearts, we pray. And help us, Lord, to hear these words of Jesus and say yes to the greatest adventure of a lifetime. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, Ryan, it's all yours, man. Praise God for that message. Thank you, Dave, for bringing the word. Very convicting words to all of us, myself included. Let's continue now and hear from a few of our own. We'll have our very own Stephen Kaufman speak of his ministry, and then Dave will come back up to to speak on on his as well. So, Stephen. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Dave, for that um, inspiring message. I'm trying to pinch that brush that God is, is handing out. Um, so I am, I'm really uh, super excited today to be able to share with you a ministry that um, is really near to my heart. I, I had the privilege and the opportunity to travel through a number of countries in Africa going back to about 2003, uh, doing business training, really helping uh, uh, people in underserved African nations start very small businesses. And one, one of the communities uh, was in Ghana in a city called Sunyani. And uh, most of us don't know our African geography too well, but um, you've got uh, Ivory Coast and uh, Ghana and Nigeria kind of packed on the west side of Africa. In the large city, there's Accra, and a lot of people might have heard of Accra, but Sunyani is about a four-hour drive up into the mountains. And it's an area where there's also a mixture of Christians and um, and Muslims, and there's a little bit of tension, as you might expect, not as much as Nigeria, but, but actually a fair amount of tension there. So I met a young lady named uh, uh, Doris Donker when I was doing one of these studies and uh, began a ministry with her that I'll talk about today called D18, which stands for Daniel 18. John, do you know if my slide is, uh, show is ready? Do I just do anything? Oh, it's already there. Uh, so, um, so Daniel 1.8, so um, I'm going to read Daniel 1.8 so that um, we can kind of get grounded in what the heart of the ministry was. And I'm, this was not my idea, it's really Doris Donker and her father, uh, who is a pastor in Sunyani, and I've just latched on because of her love for children. So I'm really going to talk about that this morning. So if I go to Daniel 1.8, the scene, it's the very beginning of Daniel, and Daniel's in Babylon in captivity, and he's been selected to um, serve the king and to eat from the king's table. And you might imagine in that time, the king's table was probably pretty delicious, like maybe better than the best buffet we can get. And so Daniel declined uh, to eat from the king's table and just asked for uh, vegetables uh, for his own health. And so he was even told, well, wait, you know, you got to be healthy. You got to eat this food. And he said, no, I want this food over here and, and let me try it and you'll see how healthy I'll be. And so, um, so the verse itself says, but Daniel was resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. And so, um, 
So Doris, I'll show you a photo in a moment. She's, uh, this is a group uh, in the beginning, and, and John, do I just hit this? Okay. Yep. It's always me doing something wrong. I'm glad you finally did something wrong. Uh, so the center, of, uh, the center of the ministry is to provide children's ministry, providing resources and unconditional love to our neighbors in Ghana. And of course, that's Dora speaking to her physical neighbors, but in a Christian sense, it's all of our neighbors here. And um, so the kids, uh, and I've, I've, I've gotten a chance to go uh, several times, I think four times to Ghana. The kids are confronted with uh, such a tremendous amount of poverty, as you might imagine. But also, um, you might not expect this, but they're confronted with materialism. All the things they see and are told, if you buy this, you'll be happy. And we're pretty familiar with that message here in the U.S., but now with the Internet, that's just pushing not only uh, unhealthy things like pornography into the hands of uh, you know, teens and even younger than that, but the desire for material goods to find happiness. And I think as Christians, we really know what a spiral that is, and it's a never-ending pursuit for that next thing to make you feel good inside. And, and those of us that have pursued that, I'll raise my hand, it's so empty, and you wind up so disillusioned. Um, so um, this is the launch of D18. We formally launched the ministry in the summer of 2018, so we're just having our third year anniversary right now. And uh, the reason I showed this one, it's in this picture, and I didn't see it, and then when I looked, I saw that little girl, and I just had to blow her up. So, uh, so they really connect with this. This is like an after-school club. There's four chapters in four different communities in and around Sunyani. They meet on Wednesday afternoon, and they talk about God and what's the replacement for that uh, material and, and what's the replacement for the hole that's in many of their hearts. Um, a large number of the kids that come to our programs have broken homes. Uh, very often the father has abandoned the mom and the kids and uh, they just, they're just looking, their, their hearts are hopeful for a place to go. This is uh, Doris in the center and that's uh, my um, middle daughter Danielle on the far right and my uh, youngest daughter Rebecca on the left. And then the, the star of the show, just the one that has the passion that I grabbed onto, is Doris there in the middle. Um, this is one of the chapters. And uh, whenever we go take pictures with the kids, um, they stand there and they'll smile. But what they really love is this, which we call crazy face. And that's when they just make their craziest face. And they always want to do crazy face first. So we're like, let's do the smile. Then we jump to crazy face. Uh, this is another one of the groups. This is a Kodachrome chapter that's, again, about five miles outside of Sinyani. And typically we have uh, anywhere from 15 to 30 kids that come to the chapter. And it's not always regular. You know, you'd like to think each kid came each week, but they live in a very chaotic environment. Some of them come every week and sometimes just catch as catch can. I, I put this one in because as I look at these children's faces, you know, I see an, a, a longing for something. Um, is what you're going to tell me true? Is it right? Is it something I can, I can rely on? And, uh, and, and kids that come, some are from the Muslim community. Their parents allow them. I would say a smaller percent, maybe 10 or 15 percent. And then a lot are either um, animist or they're Christian by name, but they really 
just call themselves Christian because that's what the community does. They, they've not really heard the gospel or understand Christ's forgiveness. And, uh, and so part of the ministry is really around educating that. We do have a number of events. We have summer camps. We have a group, uh, a, a group called BLAST. Uh, that's f- more for the young men. We have a Proverbs challenge for the young men, about five different events during the year. And then um, as the kids get older, they start wondering what are they going to do with their lives. And one of the number one problems we found is that the parent or somebody has told them, you will have to be a this or a that, as if they have no choice in their life. And so we teach them to try to learn what God, what gift God has given them and to exercise that gift. And then we do some vocational training. So I just, I just brought a picture of the beautiful fabrics that they make and sew locally. And we've been able to train some women on the sewing machine. And in some cases, uh, have, have women that have been in, in a sex trafficking situation and be able to come out and add to the community and do a vocation that's you know, meaningful and, and pure. This is a picture of Doris, as I said, the founder, a little bit earlier. And uh, since we're recording today, I'm going to ask you guys to do something for me. So the, the, the um, clarion call for the group every meeting is for the kids to end the meeting saying, young but wise. Meaning, yes, we know we're young, but we know, we know that there's a God and a Jesus Christ that loves us. And, and the wisdom is in their hearts and giving them that. So what I'm going to ask you guys to do rather than having you say it once and say, that's not loud enough and do it again. Just do it loud the first time, <laughs> okay? So, so if you guys would do me a favor, we're gonna say this to Doris. We're gonna give her a young but wise back. So if you will flip around and, and uh, the, where's the camera, John? Is it everywhere? <laughs> this, this way? Oh, they can see themselves, okay. All right, so if you guys will flip around and just give me a loud young but wise for Doris. One, two, three. Young but wise. Thank you guys so much. I'm going to close with um, a quote from one of our students. Her name is Ophelia. She says, the discipleship training has bettered my life. I used to live on wrong choices and sinful things. But through the discipleship training, I've learned how to follow Jesus Christ especially where we got to lesson six of the course, which talks about the greatest friend. After closing of the lesson, I went home sad, all of the bad things I had been doing and the punishment that was meant for me and how Jesus stepped in my place to pay such a great price with his death on the cross. I needed to trust and believe and follow him all the days of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for rescuing me and making me yours. Thank you guys for your time. One last thing, there is a sign up in the back. If you'd like to be added to our newsletter, I would love to send you guys a monthly newsletter on D18. Amen. Thank you, Stephen. This is pretty neat. We, we could actually include a lot more people from the congregation of you know, different ministries than this, but isn't this good? This is just to give us a taste of things. So anyway, I'm back up here, of course. And, and actually, my wife was supposed to be doing this this morning. So she's a, a lot easier on the eyes than me. And, uh, Amen. Yeah. <laughs> I hear that voice. <laughs> yeah, you can leave, right? <laughs> so uh, 
Yeah, so she's actually, her, her mother has had two falls this week, and they're at the hospital right now, this morning. So they would appreciate your prayers for uh, Martha in, in that situation. So I'm not going to take a lot of time because I've already been talking a lot, but uh, just I'm thankful for the different people that have shared this morning, for each one, and the resources that are available back there, and any of the people that you want to talk to further would love to talk with you at length about any questions you might have. So uh, just a couple of pictures real quick for us. I'm not going to take very long on this. This is a picture of us in Africa, and if Jan was here, she'd be talking about her friend there. Her friend Jacinta is a tremendous prayer warrior, and uh, she's just been praying for us like crazy even back here in the States. So I don't know if you know who this is. <laughs> I just stuck that in there because uh, Dan has come with us and taught a course in Africa on occasion. We're trying to get him back again. And, uh, and he had a very, very excellent job. Uh, they loved him over there. And then this is finally, this is me. Not everything is really hard in Africa. So uh, this is from South Africa at the Nelson Mandela Museum. So at the museum, when Nelson Mandela was a kid, this is what he did. He jumped on that thing and he slid down this hill. So they make all the visitors do it. (laughs) And and so that's what happened to me. Anyway, uh, Jan and I are involved in a ministry called Leadership Vistas. And it's uh, training and helping teach church leaders, pastors and church leaders in Central East, Central Africa. And uh, it, it really has been the most exciting thing in my life, I think. And you're exciting. And we appreciate what God's doing here. Uh, but this just has, for us, has taken it up another notch. And, and we're just so excited. And we're excited because these people over there are hungry and thirsty for teaching and training. And they're church leaders that don't have any kind of formal education. And so they'll come for miles and come for a week of conferences and sit there from 8 in the morning until 6 at night, and we, te- we get to teach. And I'm not kidding, but uh, I learn more from them than I can ever impart or share with them. And Jan has gone, she doesn't go every time with me, but many times she does, and that's a big blessing. She ministers with the ladies at the women's conference part of it, and I'm with the men, and we get to do it together. And, uh, and, and God has blessed her. He's blessed her ministry, and she's, you know, I still remember, you know, Tony's testimony a couple weeks ago about just God using us, and, and Jan uh, is so, has been so shy she, she never would have thought of doing something like this, going to Africa, let alone going to Africa and teaching a course. And yet she's, you know, over a period of time, she's done it and God has helped her. And, and, and the women just, they just respond to her like crazy. And um, it's just a great ministry. So we're excited about that. I don't want to take more time about it. But uh, if you have any interest at all, we also have some material at the back here welcome to pick that up. We would love people to pray. That's the, the most important thing to us, is to pray for God's work in this ministry. 
And if you ever do want to go to Africa, you know, let us know because we'd love to have you there. But God is doing great things in the world today. And I think each of the people who have shared have uh, given us a taste of just some of the opportunities that are there. And uh, so now if you play tennis, we would say the ball's in your court. (laughs) Amen. So God bless you. Thank you for your patience this morning. Ryan's going to come and close. Thank you, everyone, for sharing. I pray that you guys have heard their words, heeded God's promptings, and follow your convictions here. Let's close in prayer. Father God, you are mighty and holy and sovereign. You're in control, and we trust you in that. But we're not free of our obligation, Lord. You tell us to go, so let us go. Let us obey. Let us abide in you. The harvest fields are ripe, Lord. Your plan A is just that, a plan A. There is no plan B, C, D, E, F. It is to spread the good news and to carry out the Great Commission, Lord, in the end of Matthew. We've covered so many places around the world. Here today with our speakers, in the news we see things. Every single continent, Australia, Asia, Africa, Europe, South America, and here right home in North America. So much pain, so much hurting, so many that are lost. We may not have to look as far as next door. We may look halfway across the world. But there is a calling, and and we just pray that we answer that calling, and then we go, and we trust you, and that you will direct our paths. Even if we're scared, even if we're nervous, let us hear your still small voice and open and close doors in our paths, Lord, if this is your will for us. So we just uh, we pray that you, you work on our hearts this week, this afternoon, after we've heard this tremendous message from, from John chapter 4 and from the passions of all these speakers who represent the ministries. I pray that you would ask us, Lord, where should we go? And may we answer, Lord. We thank you for the worship time this morning and the Sunday school that has continued as we pour into our kids. Let's not forget them, Lord, that they may follow in our paths as we demonstrate a good example for Christ to them. It's in your son's name we pray. Jesus, amen. Please stand.